Welcome to today's episode of Ascend and Transcend. I'm your coach, Elizabeth Pearson, and today's guest is Nikki Rishi. She is an economist, a biochemist, a philanthropist, and also a mother of twins. And today she's going to talk to us about the importance of having financial awareness and then financial freedom to help manifest all of our entrepreneurial dreams. to the show, Nikki. It's so great to have you on. What I would absolutely love is for you to take our listeners through a little bit of your journey because it is quite extensive and detailed and I feel like you've done so much, Um, but it's always best to hear it in your own words. So if you could just give our listeners a little bit of insight to where you were previously and then where you are now and this kind of mompreneur (laughs) journey, that would be awesome. Uh, Sure thing. Thank you for having me today. Pleasure to speak. I will start from a little bit of the beginning where the technicality of where I came from is important. You know, I was what I consider a STEM student from the early beginnings, very, very inclined towards engineering and science. And so it laid out the foundation for me um, to really achieve an expertise in my career. First, which is most important if you want to do anything well in your life, you know, there is no shortcut to success. So what I did is I started with pre-med, that, that's what I was inclined towards back in college, with an emphasis in biochem and realized I was more business oriented than, than more so the medical field. So I went ahead and launched my young career in uh, healthcare consulting with Mercer, which is one of the top three consulting companies in the world in its niche. And I realized that, uh, you know, soon enough, I liked interacting so much with people that I transitioned into the HR and people space and started working with multinationals globally. What led to that was uh, a multicultural experience that was absolutely wonderful in the last 15 years of having worked with 63 countries and traveling all over the world. For my professional HR career, having the opportunity to work with Jack Dorsey, who was the former CEO of Twitter and the current CEO, longstanding of Square, when he wanted to go um, take the company public at Square. So wonderful opportunity to really hone the people skills, leadership skills, mentorship skills that I had uh, to work with Jack and um, really help the company um, grow tremendously in the last four years. Soon enough, I became pregnant with twins in the about a couple of years ago and um, quickly realized that I was going to have a high-risk pregnancy and had to put my professional career um, as an HR executive on hold in order to have a healthy mindset um, and a well-being um, around this pregnancy. So without much focus on the career guilt of stopping after you know having a relatively successful professional journey, I went ahead and took a little bit of a break for a few months. And during that time came the vision to find a nonprofit organization which focuses on connecting and networking 
hardworking um, people, as well as giving back to various philanthropies all over the world. That's where I launched um, a virtual podcast through 180 Elevate and tapped into the HR network. I had worked with several executives, C-suite executives all over the world. So they come on and start talking about their journey to inspire you know, thousands of people worldwide on what it takes to be a creative, empathetic, professional leader from no one to who they are today. And through that journey of taking a break, I started this organization. And when I became a mom, the twins came into the world. Um, last year, I realized that there is no village anymore for modern parents. There was so much confusion of all the resources out there that I then decided to switch from the HR profession I had technically and strategically conquered to maybe being a startup founder. And that's when um, the idea of Mary Poppins <laughs> app came into being, which is now in the works and is going to be a parent focused app that's going to provide instant support to all of the parents worldwide through their new um, journey that they've undertaken. And here we are today. Oh my God. I mean, that's so important. I mean, I love how you had this really high level professional career, right? And you still do, but it's able to really take a lot of that experience and a lot of that talent that was honed throughout that experience and apply it to things that women need right now, right? Or to really help recognize and advocate for those who don't have the same level of platform or visibility, right? So I think that that's incredible. And I the app is definitely needed. I feel like over the last two years, the need for support for moms and I think, you know, women in general too, but especially moms has really come to the forefront. Uh, everybody you know, in the beginning of the pandemic was like, oh, we're going to be flexible and we're going to let you work from home and all this stuff. And it was like, okay, great. But none of the demands lessened. I mean, I don't know if you felt that. I definitely felt that. A lot of my clients felt that, that the expectations were actually the same, if not leveled up because they were feeling like they had to overcompensate for the 20 minutes that they slapped together some lunch, you know, to feed their children. So I think that support is the answer though. It, it really truly is. And, you know, that is more on the end of, hey, you're, you're trying to figure out the harmony between work-life balance while working from home. And I don't call it really necessarily a work-life balance. I, I call it this, yeah. this harmony that exists. It's, it's nowhere that, that fine line that has been eliminated. And surely enough, it's going to be the great resignation focused on what everyone's doing all over the world, but um, in the US, sorry, with, with the pandemic, mm -hmm. but what has that the impact that it's had on moms, young moms, you know, that yeah. it's greater resignation, if you really look at the statistics. And there, fortunately, um, everyone is so aware and um, folks are taking steps in the positive direction to right. provide the adequate support um, slowly, but surely. Well, and what's going to happen to our daughters and sons too? Like, that's the other thing is like, when mom is pushed to the brink at home, with this, even if you are, you know, working a, a typical job and nine to five, if you will, and you've been working from home, 
there is that second shift, right? It's all of the other things that we're doing. It's tracking. You know, I like I'm always tracking. I'm tracking what they ate for lunch, when their next dentist appointment is. Did I buy stuff for Valentine's Day? Did I, you know, all of this stuff. And and while we're doing all of this tracking, men are working. And they're focused on work and they're, you know, not distracted enough. And it's not to like come down on men. It's really just about increasing the awareness of what it is that we're actually dealing with here. And they're two very different situations. And so I think that for women, it can be hard to ask for help and try to outsource some of those things. But at the end of the day, Nikki, we both know that unless some mental bandwidth is freed up, your entrepreneurial dreams, or even just feeling soulfully aligned to the work you're currently doing now has not great odds of actually coming to fruition. It truly is. It's it's mental bandwidth. It's emotional guilt, um, mom guilt. It's um, even the physical bandwidth of being able to juggle, uh, you know, different yeah. activities um, that you're inclined to do. The expectations, the the emotional toll that it takes, and at the end of the day. You just have to be clear about boundaries. And it's it all comes down to boundaries and how you level set your expectations and what you envision to be your goal, how clear you are with those goals in order to understand how to achieve them. You know, that's all what it comes down to. Um, and there's a lot of great tools out there. Your podcasts, for example, that can help women um, really align well with their tools and their goals and, and, and figure out how to advocate for them. And holding those boundaries. I feel like we're the ones who trample our own boundaries first. And then the precedent is set, right? It's like, yeah, I really need this time to meditate. Or I really need this time for, you know, a walk or whatever it is time with girlfriends, I feel like has gone out the window immediately as well. And really holding true to those boundaries and saying, I need you to pick up the slack. You know, if we're lucky enough to have a partner, great, tag them in. If not, outsourced. And I know that that can be something that a lot of women feel like they don't have the finances for, which is kind of leading me to my next point I would love to get your insights on is about financial freedom and why it's so important and how you define it. So I would love to get some insights from you on this topic of, you know, specifically mothers and moms having financial freedom and why you feel it's so important. Financial freedom can be defined in so many different ways, and I'll define it in what I consider to be personally a success or of, of understanding and awareness. You know, women have now honestly started influencing an enormous amount of wealth globally, Elizabeth. Um, yet we know we are all not well equipped when it comes to financial independence, which is what you're talking about as financial freedom. Um, so it is our wake up call. Uh, you just statistically, I, I found this out through a recent podcast I did on financial freedom that women live much longer and 80% of us will die single later on in life, which means that, you know, over 90, 95% of women tend to be the family's primary financial decision maker at some point in your lives. So with, with keeping that in mind, you know, just knowing some basic things about how to achieve that is the first step towards financial freedom. And then you'll understand the importance of it, right? Knowing your spending 
spending, knowing your liquid net worth, finding out um, your money, where it is, and then figuring out how it's invested. Um, these are some of the key first steps to truly figuring out your, your financials. So when you start to take these concrete steps, then you truly start to become financially aware. And that awareness then leads to freedom ultimately. So, you know, I I laugh that we all know our height and weight, but what numbers do you really need to know? Like the real question is, what are the important numbers you need to know? So in order to have that freedom, you need to understand first where your financial wellness check is. And that is really the first and foremost step, for example, would be knowing your spending. Uh, Once you know your spending, you can have a better um, awareness and discussion around um, other concepts um, such as finding your money that are invested in your different 401ks through different companies, understanding your liquid net worth, and then allowing yourself to figure out something called core capital, which is how much do you need to sustain your lifestyle through retirement. Once you have this holistic understanding, you will truly be financially free. To answer the second part of the question, why it's so important, how can it not be? That is the key to success, right? Um, That is the key to truly becoming the person that you need to be without having to rely on anyone else, whether it's your spouse, circumstances, not letting the circumstances define you. Um, So first become financially aware, then you are free, and then you understand the importance towards achieving that and finally being able to achieve your goals successfully. Oh my God, I love that. And I think that it's it's much easier to just think, okay, well, my spouse is handling it. It'll be just fine. Nothing's going to happen to them. <laughs> and even if it did, I know we have some insurance, some life insurance. I would be fine. I'll figure it out then. And I can't tell you how many women have spouses and not to be crass, like they just freaking drop dead. You know, like there are 50 year old men out here just dropping dead of heart attacks. And these women have three, four kids and they are trying to process grief while also trying to be calm about their finances because they had zero visibility to it. You know, it's that or you get in a situation, maybe you're not wanting to stay married anymore. Maybe, you know, you're, but you've been unaware. That is definitely a power loss. I, I don't care how many people say it. I went a year really without producing any income and it was the most uncomfortable year of my life. It was when I was starting this company And I had to rely on my husband and his salary and he loved it. You know, it was like, he was like, I want to be able to give you, (laughs) you know, this gift. Right. And I'm like, okay, I, (laughs) I hated it. And there are so many, I have so many clients who I'm like, just start the business. And they're like, but I can't not make money. And I'm like, I totally feel you on that. But, you know, and now I'm making more than before. Right. So everything evens out. But then when he, he actually suffered a layoff in when the pandemic hit and I was like, I was okay, right? We were okay because there was a six month time in between his jobs and I was able to give him that quote unquote gift. Like, okay, well, I have us now. And I think when you're solely dependent on a spouse for visibility to your finances, you are at a huge deficit. I don't care what you know you want to tell yourself at night but there is going to be a bit of a power imbalance when you are flying blind as to what it is that your costs what you know your monthly costs are and what's coming in and what's set up for the future 
And it's more so in, in, you know, to some of the women out there, that power loss, that power balance, they're okay with it, right? So if they were to really look at it, not necessarily as a power mechanism, but more so as an awareness to bring their being to whole, it's going to be a whole different story. Um, to understand that you will need to know this later on at some point in life, it's better to do it sooner rather than later. You will at some point be the fin- primary financial decision maker um, just based on the statistics and you can't rely inevitably. And so why not just plan? Just, just under, it's so, it's the other concept of it. The other side of it also um, is that it's intimidating, right? Um, financial investments, everything under that umbrella is, is intimidating to a lot of people, but there are techniques, tools out there that have completely simplified this. From a software standpoint, for younger, more prematurely experienced financial investors in their 20s would be Mint. For example, the app that became um, uh, very popular, and it simply consolidates all of your financials all across different bank accounts um, and different um, investments into one app. And it just shows you what your spending is, where you know where your costs are, expenses are, and it, it, it does all of the work for you from a very... Um, yeah simple standpoint. So anyone that feels, finds it intimidating um, and, and is okay giving that, you know, loss of power, quote unquote, that's fine if you really feel like you need to, but at some yeah. point become aware because awareness is well-being. And that's all that matters is your well-being emotionally, physically, and spiritually. And I think it's good for your relationship too. Like, I don't know about you. I mean, even with like kids or something, right? I I like it when my partner wants to understand, you know, like, oh, okay. Like takes an interest in some of the things that feel like they're quote unquote on my plate. You know what I mean? So I can't imagine that your partner wouldn't feel a little bit of relief knowing that they're not the only one having eyes on this, you know, or understanding this or taking this into consideration on a daily, if not monthly or yearly basis. So I think it can only help relationships to kind of feel like you're both in the same boat together. But what I would like to ask you about is this um, 5% operational investing. And this was something that we chatted on a little bit before we got on this podcast, but I would love if you could explain to the listeners kind of like what that is and why this financial planning, you know, of this investing piece is really going to be critical to manifesting a new business or being able to feel like you're prepared, you know, for retirement and whatever you want to do down the road to have that freedom. Yeah. So we'll take a step back to understand what is even operational investing, right? So if we were to like technically, I guess, define it, it's um, it's an investment strategy, which aims to gen- generate return in the form of increased value by improving your operational performance. So what does that mean in layman's terms? It means that you are, there's different definitions. I was actually thinking about this question a little bit when you had posed it um, earlier was, you know, you're, you're, investing in yourself, you're figuring out part of the investments um, to have a certain ROI, whether it's in your business, whether it's in your personal self, your professional life. And so there is that concept, for example, of within the investment world that if you do an average annual return of 5%, it will 
really enable you to keep growing your money. So again, going back to the young, immature um, investor or premature investor, mm-hmm. you know, if, for example, you hold 10,000 in a safe investments, um, that's paying about um, two to 5% year over the next 30 years, it will grow in excess of 20,000. And that's a great way to look at the ROI to be able to reinvest that in yourself. So the actual formula I use that I read up on earlier was the 3% formula. And huh. for that, personally, for me is that 3% of your income should go back into yourself. So example, if your annual income is 50,000, about you should invest about 1500 back into yourself to maintain and improve your knowledge and skills. Why it's important to make your business manifest is because that phantom, quote unquote, something that we can't necessarily see the investments, how it's growing when it's returning um, is eventually going to accumulate enough for you to be able to use towards a successful business. So that's how I envisioned a formula. How have you, Elizabeth, looked at a formula in your um, coaching? No, I love that. I love how specific you're getting to because we need to know this stuff. I get technical. No, but that's good. Nikki, that's what we want. That's what we want. That's what people need to know. They need these keywords. They can go Google it. But for me, I, I, I always knew I wanted to do my own thing. You know, I think a lot of people, if you have an entrepreneurial spirit, that might be the way that you begin to speak about it is I know I want to do something else. I know I want to be my own boss. And that was from the very beginning, from the jump. I was like, I always worked for amazing entrepreneurs and I was like, I want to be like them and, you know, working for somebody else for the birds and I don't want to do it anymore. And then when the opportunity came it was great because we had been saving for five plus years. I mean, we knew like our financial advisor knew that this was on the horizon. At some point there was going to be a break. And I waited for the universe to show me like, okay, now's the time. And I took those signs. And then I was, I was financially prepared for that year of me not working because we had planned for it. So ladies, if you guys aren't working with a financial advisor, start. It's incredibly important. I can tell you that Ryan and I started using a wonderful person. If you guys need referrals, you can hit me up in DMs and stuff. I've got a great guy for you. For like right after we got married. And then when I went out on my own and I started having massive waves of resistance and imposter syndrome and just straight up panic, he was the guy I texted and I called our financial advisor and I said, dude, I'm freaking out. Do I need to get a job? And he'd be like, nope, you do not need to get a job. <laughs> here's here's the <laughs> runway, right? Here's how long we have before your life will be impacted in any way. And that was so soothing because I think if you do have dreams of doing your own thing, you're really going to get spooked when you start you know, looking at the money, right? Or the lack of money or inv- investing in a coaching or investing in yourself in that, pe- in that period when maybe you aren't bringing in any money. And so a financial advisor can be this wonderful, calm presence that can really put in a beautiful Excel. You, can, you can't believe the Excel files this guy would send me on. This is how long you have this. If you go two years, then you're going to have to retire one year later. You know, all of this stuff, there mm-hmm. were the different variables. And so even just knowing that and having that person, I think is an incredible asset and is much more likely to create conditions where you feel safe to start your own business. 
No, absolutely. And I think the thing about investors where I feel, again, going back to the intimidation, the concept of fear, not being able to take an action that they need to because there's some sort of lingering fear uh, might be that they think they don't have enough wealth yeah. for a financial investor, right, to to work with them. I know that has been some of the holding back factors. So it doesn't have to be, you don't have to have a certain amount of wealth. There are plethora of ones out there that work with different levels of income, um, different levels of core capital. Um, and it's never too late to get started and then move, move, move on up as yeah. you um, go through your financial journey. Absolutely. So what are some of your tips, some tactical things, some technical things that every mom who's kind of a wannabe entrepreneur, somebody that's got this fire, this idea burning, what are some things that you think that you would need just kind of like basic blocking and tackling to get started? So I, I, I always look at, you know, what would be your personal definition of success. So take a step mm. back. You want to be this entrepreneur and you want to be this great mother. Um, if we're talking about mompreneurs, or yeah. if you just want to be an entrepreneur, you haven't navigated the parenthood journey, that's fine too. Like, but, but take a step back to figure out what's your personal definition of success. How do you define success? I guess for, for the tips that I have to give, um, the three requirements uh, that I've come up with um, in my experience, reading, research, and implementation are, you, know, you have to decide exactly what it is that you want. Mm. Um, then you have to determine the price that you're going to have to pay to get the things that you want or get that one thing. And then the last part of that is to resolve to pay that price. Mm -hmm. uh, that's more so a very high level generic idea for you to understand that you're going to start with this journey. And those are the three key things you need to have an understanding of in order to go ahead and, um, you know, go seek through that journey. Then Let's talk about maybe the nitty gritty, right? Technical standpoint pointers. There's about five or six that I came up with that I also researched um, and, and executed and it worked really well. So without having to go into specific examples, speaking a little bit more in layman's terms, mm -hmm. um, you know, step one, decide exactly what you want and you have to be specific about it. For example, through your journey of entrepreneurship, if you want to increase your income, uh, don't just say I want more money. Um, out of this um, startup or out of this um, goal or job. Decide on the specific amount of money you're going to raise on the investment you need or what you are planning to get in terms of revenue. Uh, write down your specific goals. Don't be vague. Set realistic deadlines for those goals. If the goal is big enough, set a final deadline and then be sure to set sub deadlines to your sub goals. Make a list of everything that you could possibly do to achieve that goal. Once you've done that, right? Write down the obstacles, the difficulties you will have to overcome, the knowledge and the skills you'll need, the people whose cooperation you will need to achieve your goal. Write it down. When we have stuff in our head, it's all mumbled, jumbled, frazzled. But when you start to write it down, you truly manifest it in a different way towards reality. So organize your list that you have written down by both sequence and priority then. And then take, of course, the action to start your plan immediately. Take the first step, take the second step, and the third. 
get going, you know, this inertia in terms of ideas, then the fear, uh, and a whole bunch of things that that kind of stories that brew in our heads, stop us a lot of times from taking that action. So take the action on your plan immediately. And then I guess the last thing would be, you know, do something every day that moves you in the direction of your major goal um, towards entrepreneurship every single day without fail. Oh my God. I love that. I love that you have to get specific. I always tell clients, they're like, well, I think I want something and I want it to be, I want to be personally free. And I go, it's like, you're going to Starbucks and you're standing there and you're trying to order something. You say, I just want a coffee. The barista is going to say, what size? Uh, this. Okay. What blend? Okay. What added? You have to get painfully specific and the, it does so much to make it manifest, but it also makes it more real. And I think it just gives you more motivation to do what you said, right? Take little steps, do something to bring it into reality and to help it manifest and come to life every single day. Nikki, you're an inspiration. You've been an absolute dream to talk to. Everybody go follow Nikki at Know with Nikki on IG and then also check out 180 Elevate. Nikki, what kind of content can they find on 180 Elevate? We have been focusing on the harmony of mind, body, and soul initially when we started, and we've carved out uh, more of a leadership, uh, the new paradigm of leadership niche within that. Um, so how to be the leader, you what you want to be in your life, uh, whether it's personal or professional, uh, any standpoint. And so any content related to your personal and professional well-being towards the paradigm of uh, a new leadership journey you want to undertake. You'll find content related to that. Lots of learning and education there. It's so good. And she's had such great guests on her virtual podcast or whatever. I mean, I'm going through there and I'm like, Bruce Lipton, like all these people, I mean, really impressive people that have a lot of experience and insights to share. So I already started kind of binging some of them, but absolutely go there. This is the kind of, you know, brain food we want to be ingesting every day, guys. We want to really hear from other people how they did it. It's only going to help you on your journey. So thank you so much for sharing your insights with us today. Please keep doing what you're doing. And hopefully we'll see even more mompreneurs out there this year because of it. Thank you, Elizabeth. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Thanks for having me. 